Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Don't have time to work out? Well, that's where our free 10-minute classes come into your life. You can go ahead and sign up over at themerrymakersisters.com forward slash five days and we'll send you five days of 10-minute classes, yoga, Pilates, all of the goodness to make you feel absolutely amazing. Emma, are you excited? Oh, yes. These are my favorite classes. Bring it on. We'll see you super soon on the mat over at themerrymakersisters.com forward slash five days. Welcome to episode 317 on the Get Merry podcast. And as we mentioned last week, we are beyond excited because it's not just us two this week. We have an amazing guest from all the way over in the UK. The amazing Kevin Basham is back on the show. If you've been with us since the beginning, you would have heard from him on episode maybe 20. And now, yeah, now we're at episode 317. Hello, Kevin. Hello. I, yeah, of course. Okay. Well, 2017. Was it that long ago? Was it episode number 20 or you just like made that up? We had episodes one to 80, which were business focused. Oh, so it was yeah, definitely yeah. in the oh, first yeah. 80 wow. that we interviewed Kevin about your business journey. Wow. Did you call it Merry Biz? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, I loved that interview. I remember exactly where I was. I was in a hotel room in Bangkok doing the, doing the, um, the interview with you. And it was amazing. Uh, yeah, well, we, we changed the name of this podcast to Get Married yeah. uh, without actually making a new podcast because really this podcast is just usually what we're up to and what we're thinking and feeling and then bringing on the odd occasion guest to hear about their amazing lives and what they're thinking and feeling. <laughs> I think that's great because I imagine so much of your community love you both for who you are and what you're doing and it's not necessarily about the subject it's about everything that you stand for and everything that you embrace and everything that you talk about so I'm I'm so honored and privileged to be back because you two are definitely some of my favorite human beings in the world and I just remember when we first met it was it was like um instant connection (laughs) immediately it was pretty much love at first sight yeah we were in (laughs) we were in the Philippines weren't we yeah Mm. We wow. Were. Yeah, Gosh. we were there for Tropical Think Tank. And I mean, isn't it insane that an event that lasts like four and a half days, you just make these lifelong connections and you feel like you just get to know each other so quickly on like really, I guess, deeper levels, I yeah. guess, because we're spending like all day together, we're having breakfast together, then we're doing dinners together, then we're going to the, the you know, the the party afterwards together, and the cruises mm-hmm. together. Well, and we're also learning together and yeah. I guess fully immersive into this, this event uh, and these shared experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this is something we're missing right now. I know it's kind of starting to open up. Actually, no, Australia's shut down again, but slowly maybe we'll be doing events like this soon i I really hope so i want to be involved i'm gonna come if they let me in yeah yes 
Yeah, because back in, when did you come to Australia? 2017? 2017, yeah. Yeah, so Kevin stayed with us here on the Gold Coast, which again was so special. And, you know, to make a friend in the Philippines who lived in the UK and we're in Australia and then to reconnect in Australia and then to reconnect again in in Bangkok. Bangkok. So it's really been all over the world, which is really exciting. So I feel like it's our turn next to come to you. Yes. Definitely. I cannot (laughs) wait for that. That's got to happen. You're always welcome. Thank you. (laughs) We'll be like, hi, we're here at the front. Knock, knock. (laughs) Uh, So, Kevin, I mean, we love everything you share on Instagram and I think and uh, LinkedIn. And you, it really is, it's like this really beautiful mix of like how to live intentionally, but also while building success and whatever, you know, success looks like in your eyes, that's what you share. Uh, And I think that the content you share is really easy to understand and simple, which I really love. So I thought that we could talk about some of these key, I guess, life lessons that you have brought, like found and then kept like in your back pocket Uh, because we always find these so useful for ourselves and I know that our listeners will also uh, love to hear them. I think, you know, when anyone's had a kind of level of success and like you have created amazing businesses uh, making a lot, a lot, a lot of money, but you've also kept your feet on the ground and, uh, you know, you've kept your heart in check and haven't really let your ego get uh, the best of you and that can be hard to do. But I think we're going to be able to dissect how you do it. (laughs) I think it's important to keep your ego in check because, you know, all of this is temporary. We're here for an unknown amount of time. Um, There's a lot of luck involved in everything. You can live intentionally and put your best foot forward. But ultimately, you know, things happen in the world. And I think that's something we could talk about, about defining your own success is that whilst you can have a plan, you know, the idea that we have a rigid plan and that all these thing, amazing things are going to happen is almost naive. We live in a universe that we don't understand. We live on this ball that's hurtling ever closer to the sun and one day we won't be here. And I know that sounds almost pet- pessimistic, but it's almost liberating because, you know, mm. you just get one go at it. Um, so, and we don't even understand what consciousness is. So yeah. the, the idea that we can, um, like have these goals and these things that we have to achieve. And if we don't, then we're a failure is so stupid. Yes. Mm. We actually talk about, uh, that, that topic on the podcast a lot. Emma will often say, yeah. And then you just die. Well, I think <laughs> I, I'm the same, Kevin. I really feel like it's important to keep in mind always the fact that we're not infinite beings like maybe we are our souls who knows but in this body in this life form we're not so why are we finding ourselves in these places where we don't want to be and maybe it's a relationship maybe it's a job maybe it's just the city you're living in it's all these things where it's like wait a minute I I can control these things a little bit right I can make a decision to quit the job or leave the relationship and I know it's easier said than done it might not be a than their decision or it might be uh but I think it's really important to remember and I actually don't think it's pessimistic at all I think it's a reality 
reality check. Exactly. It's realistic. And I think it helps us to be more optimistic because then we're more grateful for each and every moment of our lives because, wow, we know this moment is the only moment like this that we're ever going to have. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, full stop exclamation point. And I mean, you met, you just touched on one of the things that you wrote about the other week and I want to I want to talk about that. This whole idea of like not knowing anything, like and staying humble and open-minded. And this is one of your your key, I guess, lessons for life and how to live a meaningful life. And I think that this is a really important thing to remember that there's always more to learn and to always question everything. I guess that's the whole, that's like the basis of that point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So I think you have to question everything, but if you question everything, it's like, then what are you left with? What mm. certainties are you left with? It's, it's like, if you, if you say, well, what is everything and anything and is any of this real, then it kind of gives you no foundations in life. So I think that you have to find some meaning in your life fundamentally, that that grounding. But I think you also have to um, open your mind up to the fact that there are an infinite amount of things in the world and we know almost nothing about everything, mm. really. You know, and, and I think sometimes humans are remarkable creatures we have the capacity to do things that nothing, no other living being on this planet can do. And yet, which I think is inc incredible, but yet we can also be so stupid as well. Yeah. Like, and so self-righteous and so, what's the word I'm looking for? So self-absorbed. Yes. And it's so true. So I think you have to have the balance between, well, I don't really know much about anything, which gives you a certain amount of liberation. But what I can do is I can collect information from different sources and I can make up my own mind about things and put those ideas into practice. Mm, so true. And what does success mean to you, Kevin? I know you just you said that before as well. And I think that this is such an interesting question because I feel like everyone's definition is different. Yeah, it's such a broad thing, success, isn't it? And I don't really know if I've got a firm answer. You know, there's that. I think it's a Tony Robbins quote about success is like doing what you want as much as you want with mm -hmm. whoever you want. I think there's some truth to that. Um, I think I think success can be in the small things and in the big things. I mean, ultimately, if you have meaning in your life and you have something that you're working towards, um, I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think success isn't always guaranteed. So I think mm. success is about the the endeavor and the adventure of moving forward and doing mm. something meaningful, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in finances, health, wealth, etc. I think it's in the doing more than the arrival point. Yeah, so I, we're so on point with that. We totally <laughs> agree. <laughs> and I think I think so often people don't actually reflect and define what success is to them. And I think this might be the actual problem with society maybe and like where people end up in these jobs that they don't necessarily love and then they don't have these goals that are even theirs. It's kind of like 
they've created these goals for themselves that that have come from maybe their upbringing or societal pressures or somehow they just have this goal of getting this promotion and this amount of money and this many mortgages and then they realize hey this doesn't bring me any joy and so then they realize actually what success is is living near the beach and relaxing as best I can. So I think it's, this is a good point to remember that, you know, it's great to stop and reflect and define what success is. I think you have to make room for things that are practical. And I think you have to make things room for things that are less practical Mm. Um, because quite often financial success won't necessarily bring you fulfillment. Mm. so what I mean by that you could be in a job and you may need to earn a certain amount of money to put food on the table to look after the family pay for a house pay for a car put your kids through schools and the list goes on and I don't think you can deny that that's just the world that we live in so it's I don't think it because I think if you get too wacky with it people go well none of this is yeah none of this is practical and therefore I'm not going to pursue anything fulfilling but what I do think you have to do is make room for things that do bring you joy too because Mm -hmm. if you always live in joy and ecstasy you have nothing to compare that to so I think you have to do both you have to do the things that are shit you have to do things that are hard that Mm -hmm. are difficult that you don't want to do but that's what makes the things that you really love doing really important and Someone said to me once, it's like, tell me like some of the most euphoric moments of your life. And these were things that weren't around money or business or finance. These were experiences. And quite often they were experiences that were free and they were with people that I really had a connection with. And that's something I've really started to learn over time. And I've made a brilliant circle of supportive friends um, and, and family and I know that when I'm experiencing great things with them, that is really the ultimate success in some ways. Yeah, I love that. So true. And mm. yeah, can, people and all of us can really get caught up in in not that, in the opposite. And yeah, kind of and, and I get it. The wrong thing. But but you've got to look at. So you can just keep chasing the wrong thing in perpetuity, but you can also be worried about finances worried how you're going to support your family and that's a problem it's like you can't just deny that you've got to fix that and you've got to do the hard stuff you know I've been in a situation where my financial situation has been absolutely awful and I'm seriously worried about it and I think when you're trying to solve that problem it's very very difficult to separate Mm -hmm. yourself and then forget about that and go and do something that's fulfilling or meaningful so so true yeah you have to I think what I'm saying is you've got to allow yourself to have those problems and deal with those problems and know that life isn't always sweet and wonderful Mm. you've got to because otherwise if you kid yourself you're being willfully blind and I also think if you're kidding yourself and you're kidding people around you and you have children and you're just like oh no life life is great life is wonderful it builds no resilience inside you and you've got Mm. to have that resilience yeah. yeah, I mean, we've spoken about this before, you know, in our conversations about creating those strong foundations, which, of course, include strong financial foundations where, mm. you know, like we create these these bases and it's like Maslow's hierarchy, isn't it? So we need mm. to get these things ticked before we can experience those 
those next level experiences. And it's not saying that you have to build like a multi-million dollar business and then experience it. It's just like that level of certainty that, yeah, I'm going to eat. Yeah, I'm going to have shelter. Yeah, I'm going to be able to pay my bills. And I don't have to necessarily worry about it every moment. I mean, like... I know like Carla and I have totally experienced money stresses within the business life and uh, we spent so many years, I think, just sweeping it under the rug, just forgetting about it, just thinking it'll be all right, it'll be all right. And we, you know, we we went to those joyful lives, uh, but there was always this like uneasy feeling. So I think it's great advice. It's like, yeah, like do what you love, try do more of that, but make sure that you have those financial foundations Fair. definitely because you you can you can deny things and say no it's all going to be okay it's like okay well how's it going to be okay yeah. what are you going to do about it yes. and that's hard that's not joyful to experience that yeah. that's stuff that you need to confront and it's one of the I, I can't remember who said this but um you know conflict delayed is conflict multiplied well I think that applies to finances as well the longer you deny it mm. and the longer that you you wait for a fix the more difficult things become so you sometimes you've got to face those those challenges um first to take up you know to to level up in your life but it doesn't mean you'd say you have to spend all your time stressing about it either right you can still go to the beach you can still spend time with friends you you just have to make time for certain things and I think that's where having you know a really good um structure in your day and in your week Mm -hmm. is, is vitally important yeah. yeah, I think with the finance thing as well, it's almost like a lack of knowledge around it. Like it's sometimes you can, like for us, for example, like we didn't know how to manage it. We didn't know how to track it. We didn't know how to forecast. So even though we never ran out of money, except one time when we did, uh, <laughs> it was this this eternal worry of not knowing, like that was the thing. And if we'd simply decided to look under the rug yeah. and have a, a closer look at things and actually uh, try to understand what's going on here, we yeah. wouldn't have been as worried, but it was the fear of uh, it it uh, becoming, it was the fear of our worry becoming real. <laughs> well, I think as Kevin said, it's like having structure. We didn't have the structure. Mm. So we had this like underlying 24-7 worry, whereas if we just dedicated even half an hour of our day to creating structure, then we could have worried and stressed in this half an hour but also come up with a solution in that half an hour. I think think that's such a good idea, definitely. I I love that. I love that. And and I think, you know, you mentioned, Carla, the the monster under the rug, I think you called it. It's like the longer you leave it, the bu- the bigger that monster gets in yeah. your mind and the more it plays on your mind. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, don't do that. You're way more powerful than this bloody yes. monster under the rug. Like go out, deal with the problem, smash it in the face and move on. And because mm-hmm. you, you, you know, if any, anyone's listening to this and thinking, God, yeah, you know what? There's that thing that I need to do. Everyone's got that thing. And yeah. whatever comes into your head first is usually that thing that you've got to resolve. It's like, just go and confront it now. Go and deal with it now. Because I tell you what, you, you'll realize that it's not as big and scary yes. as you think. And if you leave it even longer, it's going to get worse. Yeah, and so true. to live in peace is to live with a clear conscience. And if you can live with a clear conscience, life is magical. I love all of that, Kevin. 
Aww. writes down one million <laughs> quotable things that Kevin just said. Uh, routine and structure. This is an interesting thing that you said. And like you mentioned that it's important to have it for your week. Like what does your routine and structure look like? What does my weekly structure look like? Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. Okay. So this is probably where <laughs> I need to eat my own dog food a little bit. So typically, so if we take it from a Monday, so I run a digital agency and uh, on Mondays is always an office day. So I get up, I have my coffee, I go to the gym first thing in the morning. I'll then get into the office for maybe nine, half nine, something like that. And I'll spend that morning with the team going through what happened last week, what's happening for the week ahead. And we'll then have a strategy meeting for our podcast. So I run a, a podcast about crypto and you've both been on that. So that's yeah. really cool. We'll share we go the through link that? in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. And um, and then it's just really all about Ordeo, the digital agency. That's that's a Monday. Tuesdays are very similar. So quite often we'll create content on a Tuesday um, and I'll have client meetings on a Tuesday we'll be doing um, proposals for clients so I'll be working with the team there generally on Mondays and Tuesdays um on Wednesday is, is a bit of a wild card day and Thursdays and Fridays are just normally a mixture of either looking into crypto stuff setting up interviews for the podcast working on strategy networking that type of stuff but I tend to front load my week so I get all of the mm. like the the difficult stuff done like Mondays and Tuesdays um like do not disturb like I am busy I don't answer the phone unless it's urgent um I I just get all my stuff done and then I have a health and wellness schedule so gym monday tuesdays thursdays and fridays with a bit of cardio over the weekend and um i try and keep my weekends to myself so that's that's a rough structure so it's so interesting getting the majority of your stuff done at the start of the week i like this idea because i do think that there is a certain extra motivation that lives in monday uh it's it's a weird thing how we save so much for monday we're like we'll start that on Monday. We'll do that on Monday. And I think it is that just that beginning kind of feeling. I mean, you feel it at the start of the new year. You can't deny it. Well, I also it f- think though, it's great to get it all done. So yeah. then, you, then you have space. Exactly. That's what I mean. I love yeah. that. And even thinking right. about, about the year, like how can you do that for your year? Like I know um, Denise Duffield, she she said something similar where she tries to get like a big chunk of income at the start of the year and it just really sets her sets her up for the rest of the year and I think that that's another interesting way to look at it like Mm. you've got your weeks you've got your years you've got your quarters and things like that so uh I I think we should implement this what can we I mean we we talk about it a lot we're very fluid with our structure I must say we're very flexible well we just said we're taking Fridays off work yeah I know well that's structure right that's good so structure structure equals freedom people are think that having structure means that you can't like get things done that you really want to do that bring you joy it's I know get all the stuff done that you need to do first but I also think it depends on your personality as well you know um so I've got a highly conscientious personality and I have to get this stuff done otherwise I just can't do anything else I Mm -hmm. have to get it off my desk or out of my head and I have to do it to the best of my ability and I have to do it as hard and as fast as I can. 
And whilst that sounds like a good thing, it's not always a good thing. It sounds it stressful lit- as well. <laughs> it lit- yeah, because I can stress myself out by yeah. doing it. But but okay, I know I feel like, like we're the same, Kevin. Yeah, I lo- but I know tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow is a bit of a weird one because I've got a couple of meetings that um, aren't normally in the diary. But I know Thursday and Friday are way more relaxed, mm. and then I can be way more creative. Yeah, well, we thought that the whole taking of the Friday off, because we find that it's almost when you set too much time for yourself to do something that then you find yourself not utilizing your time in a productive way. And I'm not I'm not all about productivity, but it's when you use your time in a very um, non-present way. For example, mm-hmm. I might be, I might find myself like I'm scrolling on Instagram too much or I'm on Facebook or I'm in the Facebook group and I'm just clicking around and like making sure everyone's responded to, or I'm checking my inbox and I'm refreshing even though I know the inbox is completely finished and so that's why we realize like actually you know what we've done we've set too much time for ourselves to do this work and we need to set aside more time for relaxation and joy and uh for for that uh you know sister relationship as well because otherwise we're just working all the time it's so true um I think it's something law isn't it that you manage to fit the work into the time slot available so if you give yourself four hours to get something done you'll make the work last four hours but if you've only got two hours to do it you'll get it done in two hours yeah I read a quote (laughs) actually last week and it was like if you say you're going to clean the house in two hours the house will be clean in two hours if you say you're going to clean the house by the end of the week it'll be clean by the end of the week and it's so true like that I mean that's why goal setting with time mm. is uh time specifics is really important because it it, it helps you forecast mm. when you're going to get everything done and it helps you plan better and yeah I totally agree that when there's a plan and a, like a structure and it's not about being completely attached to that of course there's fluidity and flexibility because life happens but when you kind of have that idea of where we're going and where we're stepping toward it feels more doable and we can achieve the stuff we want to achieve it gives you grounding and psychologically mm. I think it helps as well because you know what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it mm, so for me you. that that reduces my level of anxiety as well I've got a lot going on and if I didn't have that structure I would people ask me how do you get so much done it's like because I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I know yeah. if I've got it done then then those boxes are ticked um and I've I've learned to be less rigid one of my biggest problems is that um so I did this personality test it's really cool you should check it out it's called understandmyself.com um you've probably heard of the Myers-Briggs test yeah you come across them they're cool but this one seems to be um it's a little little bit more hard-hitting I guess but um (laughs) one of the one of the traits that I have is some high in orderliness high in conscientiousness high in industriousness so um, it's quite funny. A lot of a lot of entrepreneurs aren't necessarily that. They make good managers. They they're quite conservatively minded. Um, I wouldn't say that's me precisely, but it does mean that you all you do is work. That's like that's the thing is you've always got to be doing something, and you want things done in a certain way. And I was always very much like when I found a structure of something that works, I it, it gets stuck to like, don't fuck with my structures. Don't like, don't change things. And I used to get really cranky when like plans would change all of a sudden or like things weren't done in a certain way. Cause I knew that this was the best way of doing it. But um, one of the things that I learned is that highly creative people, and this is probably you, Emma, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably high in trait openness, which is basically highly creative, but 
highly creative people just kind of do things in their own in my eyes like almost like a bit of a scatty way it's probably yeah. a really bad way of saying <laughs> no, it. No, I think it but, is but, like that. But it's, it's great scatting. because you're happy to break things and make yeah. things better. So you have to yeah. have that combination of like structure, but also not rigidity so mm. that you're doing things that are not effective or efficient. Yeah. And, and most entrepreneurs are high in that openness trait, which is things like creativity. And I'm actually moderately low in that, which which was quite surprising, although... I think that's just, yeah, I, I think being an entrepreneur and also I think just the way I've led my life meant that I've had to be more open about things. So I think mm -hmm. that, you know, you've just got, I guess what I'm trying to say is you've got to really understand yourself to know what works best for you in terms mm -hmm. of a, a work structure. You know, what I say, don't ever replicate it if it's going to make you miserable. Yeah, <laughs> it might make, exactly. It, it might make you efficient. Yeah, yeah it might make you so miserable true. too. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think it's so important to understand yourself, especially. I mean, full stop. <laughs> but also, mm. when you do have a business, and especially when you're working with people, it's important to understand you and your co-founders, and you know how you best work. I mean, as you said, yeah, I'm the more creative, and uh, when Carla looks at how I work, she's like, "What the hell, Emma? Like, this is ridiculous." And then I'll look at how Carla works and I'm like, that's insane. Like, how are you like that? But then we help each other. So, you know, when something, you know, comes up and the 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 uh, routine has been broken or something, it'll be me who, like, helps Carla realise that it doesn't matter. And then when <laughs> I need, like, a good whipping into line... <laughs> she'll whip me <laughs> so this is this is so funny it's the perfect partnership if you yeah, can if, if you can if you can not get annoyed with each other very much I mean it happens <laughs> sometimes I'm sure but my business partner who you met on the crypto podcast yeah. Ben he he is um he is really low in conscientiousness, really low in orderliness, but oh. really high in creativity. So wow. we're literally chalk and cheese. That's we share so some traits, but he is like the way he works is like totally different to me. And it took us a long while to get to into a dance together where we yeah. really understood each other. And I'd say it took us a good year to do that, at, at least. You know, the fact that you're sisters is probably makes it a little bit easier. So yeah. Um, yeah, to understand how other people work as well, I think it's just important because, you know, going back to what we said at the start, we don't know anything about most things. So it's like, you know, just put your ideas to one side for a moment and just see the life through somebody else's eyes mm -hmm. and then borrow what they've seen to see if you can make things better. Oh, I love that. What you just said. I think that's so true. And I, I feel like it's this whole idea of like letting go of being right, like letting go of being one way to do things with this like work stuff. Like, you know, when I would look at what Emma's doing or how she's doing it, I would be like, she's doing it wrong, mm -hmm. but we still get to the same place. It was just a different way to get there. And so I sure. had to let go of that structure of what I thought, this is the only way you can do this. Mm. Uh, and she's like, no, I'm doing it a different way. And we got the same result that we would have if she followed my way, except she had more fun and enjoyed the process more. And that's a really good <laughs> thing. And I think, yeah. as you said, you know, it took us a while too. And I think uh, we had many fights about this sort of stuff, like how we were doing each you know the work 
And it took us, maybe it took us a few years to mm. really realise, and I mean, it was probably yoga that taught us, I think, yeah. of like surrendering a little bit, letting go of the rigidity, 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 rigidity. God, rigidity. I can't say that word. <laughs> rigidity, rigidity. <laughs> to be more flexible. There we go. <laughs> There's always one word that I can't say on this bloody podcast. It's like, oh, God. Um, but, yeah, and then when you you do figure it out it is a dance and it's wonderful and you're like wow like this is beautiful and we just need to let go sometimes Mm -hmm. and and it kind of just falls into place but I love I love all that and being more empathetic I think that's so important I agree me too Mm. uh so you mentioned about contributing over taking and I I think that this is a beautiful point to talk about uh especially because we've just been talking about you know success and like gaining and like reaching goals and things like that but I want to talk about this how your one of your rules in inverted commas uh for living a meaningful life is contributing more than what you take like what do you mean I think the best relationships are those that where you can give more than you take and I don't literally mean by keeping a score I mean, that's the religion of the relationship, if you like. Yeah. Because who would you want to be around? Mm, Somebody so that true. gives or takes more. Yeah. Somebody who gives for sure. And and let's just work through this because I know a lot of people that would say, well, I give a lot and people take advantage of me. I hear that a lot. It's like, okay, well, do you set any boundaries with them? Mm. Is it a healthy relationship? Are you actually giving? Are you giving without expectation? Mm. Think through those things because if you're really giving and it's received, well, great. But also, and this is something that I need to still work on, is let others contribute to you. So mm. if you're always the one contributing, there's all there can be this sort of pathological tendency to think that, I'm always the one that's giving and no one ever gives back. It's always down to me, yet you're not open to receiving. And it's taken me a long while to work through that. And I'm a lot better, but I catch myself sometimes thinking, God, I really need to let that person help me and contribute in some way. Wow. I love that. I feel like uh, I can totally understand that practice of being open to receive something we Mm. actually talk a lot about in yoga at the end of a yoga class when you're doing shavasana there's like this this almost balance of letting go of the fruits of your actions so that's the idea with yoga like we show up we practice we're moving our bodies we're breathing but with no expectation of the result and this is the same like you know we're giving we're giving with the movement, but we don't expect something in return. But then when we hit Shavasana, it's like, okay, now let's really just let go of everything, any expectations, any uh, fruits of the actions. We've got to just let it all go. But let's be open to what we might receive. Let's be open to what what might, you know, come through at this time. And I think it's this this interesting balance of letting go, but also receiving, giving, mm. receiving. It's, it's, it's a it is a dance again like it's this putting out and then taking Mm. in and then giving more and then taking in and it's like 
Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like yin yang. It's like night day. It's like the sun and the moon. They have these like balanced relationships. And I think, yeah, if you're only giving, 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 giving and not receiving, then you will feel uh, depleted. Mm. It's like we have to fill each other's cups up. So you have to let your cup be filled up, but you also have to empty some into others. And I think that's what healthy relationships are. So I think that's really what I mean fundamentally by, by contributing. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's sometimes a misconception that you can only contribute when you've got to a certain level or to achieve a certain thing in your life. And for many years, I've always just, you know, even if it's contributing to a charity or contributing to some kind of social movement or whatever it is, you can always do something yeah. and don't judge how what how big you may perceive that to be because you may think it's nothing, but mm. to someone else, it may be a lot. Yeah, I mean, like a contribution could be offering a smile or a compliment. Like it's right. just, it's like these tiny things can often lead to a big impact for somebody else. Uh, and I think sometimes we can forget these things. And the funny thing is, is, you know, when you do offer that smile or that compliment or a kind gesture, so often you feel good anyway. So, you know, mm. you receive back right away. I mean, you know, usually when you help someone, you feel good about it. And, you know, when, when, when it comes to the time when you help or contribute and you start feeling resentment, that's when it's like, oh, I'm like, I'm putting my stop sign up to other people helping me. How can I let go of that? How can I be open to receive? And again, back to yoga, I think yoga is an amazing practice to actually, you know, set that intention because you do, you, you, you know, you hear the teacher or you hear your guide telling you to be open to receive. And so often we're somehow ingrained as kids, like that, no, you can't get help or no, like just you're strong, do it yourself. Mm. And it's funny how sometimes we feel this way so strongly, but then we have to like untrain that and let go and then be more open to other people's help. I love that. Mm. Yeah. So I love lessons. this conversation. Me too. Like, oh my. <sighs> um. I want to talk about how many, how far have we got through my list, by the way? I, feel like I know. Well, you know, we yours. haven't been going one to 10. We've been going all over the place. I'm going to, I feel like oh we have no, new... the structure's all gone. What am I going to do? <laughs> no, but it's okay. It's okay. We <laughs> let go. It's okay because M's here and it's fine to go all over the place and do things in a back to front fashion. <laughs> oh my, like you can never trust my the structure. Cool... <laughs> I think the really beautiful thing is like you've brought, you've brought all of your 10 ways to live a meaningful life. Like, into perhaps the other you know subjects yeah that we've been talking about and I think that this is this is like always how it works it's like no matter where you start with your intention to like and in this case we're talking about living a meaningful life it's almost like when you start with one thing then like the next thing kind of just like filters through automatically and it doesn't really matter what point you enter the journey but eventually you kind of end up experiencing them I don't know if you Mm. felt that Kevin but like for example 
you know, we started with like the practice of gratitude and that was like our kind of entry into, I would say, spirituality when, you know, Oprah talks about being grateful. We loved Oprah. We still love Oprah, but we used to watch a lot of her videos like way back early in our journey and she talked about gratitude. And I just remember thinking, I don't understand this. Like, how can this, how can this be so powerful? But then started practicing it. And then I brought in forgiveness and then I brought in acceptance and then I brought in peace and then I brought in this and like all these things just kind of like, fluidly come together but you have to again be open to it and you have to decide that you that you want to make these shifts and change in your mindset and I wanted to talk about that I think mindset is a word that gets thrown around a lot uh but have a strong mindset you've got to build your mindset you've got to work on your mindset um like how did you get introduced to this this world of um mindset but also I guess self-awareness it's really what it is gosh that's quite a big question <laughs> he takes a, a drink, drink. <laughs> yeah. like what's in that glass <laughs> well actually there was some gin and tonic in it and there's a tiny little bit left but I've only yeah um okay could you repeat the question I can. in a more condensed manner? Because yeah. I want to try and answer <laughs> this as, as best as possible. Wait, wait, wait. what was, what the, was question? the question? I remember what the question Do was. you like Oprah? Yeah. watch <laughs> 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 Oprah. Yeah. I think the question was, well, the question was about mindset and I guess mm. uh, what took you down the path of becoming more self-aware and I guess working on your mindset. Uh yeah, like what introduced you? Like who? Like who? What, yeah, and was there like a moment? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like was there like a, a like turning a point? turning point or like a knock at the door? I think there's been several turning points and knocks at the door. Actually, you know what? It was really early. I started to get into this stuff, and I'll try and do this chronologically so it makes some kind of sense. Um, it must have been. So one of my my early jobs in my life was I worked for um, a mobile phone network called O2, and they're a massive mobile phone network here. And uh, I, I, it was a retail job, but I, I was 20, 21, I think. And I had a really brilliant um, area manager. I was managing a, a store and I, I was, I think I, I, it was like one of the top five stores in the whole country. I just had a flair for doing this. I was ridiculously driven with that job. I got paid shit. But I I <laughs> found myself an environment that I was liked, appreciated, respected, and rewarded. And I don't think I'd really had that before. Mm. And I got into things like Jim Rohn, um, Tony mm. Robbins. Um, and just going down the path I went through, I was then introduced. Do you remember Kabbalah? Do you remember when that was a thing? No. So Madonna, so it was like this spiritual religion thing that Madonna really got into. Oh, and yes. Yeah. I remember and I reading about that. Still, so, I, so I started to learn about, I couldn't even tell you too much about it, but that's kind of where it all started really. And I think it was a positive feedback loop. I was getting a lot of reward for learning about these things that made my life better. Mm. And um, I, from there, really gave me a positive mindset to move forward with my life. And 
I was working through all kinds of things at that age. I mean, who isn't? But it certainly set me up. And I think I've had some various awakenings along the way. I think 2015 was really pivotal for me when I made the decision that I was going to start working on things outside of a business that I founded in 2010, which is a recycling company that I still co-own. Um, I was working on things that were more than just that business. So I guess mm. we would call it our, our personal brand, if you like, which led me to meet you both at Tropical Think Tank. I'm really starting to understand myself in a in a deeper way and what gave me meaning and what gave me fulfillment, which wasn't just my business. But I, you know, I didn't have the financial base to really pursue that in the way that I wanted. And I don't think I'd really fleshed myself out in a deep enough way to really understand what it was that I wanted to do. So I played around with that for a few years. I then sort of regressed back into myself in 2017. I had some issues with my core business and I had some personal difficulties that I was working through. And I think then moving back to Bristol in the UK, which is where I where I still live now, meeting my current business partner, Ben, and getting into the world of crypto was another awakening. It was a realization of what this thing was and what it's going to be doing for the world. Um, and then 2020 came along and it's like, probably the toughest year I've experienced so we the UK entered its first lockdown mm. when was it May time I think mm. initially May 2020 so I remember March 2020 all the news coming out about all of mm-hmm. what coronavirus is and mm. everything and it was really it was really inconvenient for me because I was at the time I was renting a house and I needed to move and I this whole like thing was quite scary so we like I was like how's it going to impact the business I'd literally just signed up to lease on an office for the agency how's the agency going to survive I had all of these pressures um and the crypto market was poop at the time, you know, it would the prices were really low. Yeah. So I so I felt quite exposed um emotionally and potentially financially. You know, I am a bit of a warrior. People don't really realize that I do concern myself. That's the one of the flaws of having a highly conscientious personality. It's like you're always um you 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 your <laughs> risk management mind is always on. Yeah. This is so <laughs> interesting because you've both grown so much as people and I just see so much wisdom and maturity from you now that you've just become more of who you are and it's so fascinating for me to see how different you are and like now knowing what I know and how you both work so cool anyway I digress so March March 2020 um I ha- I discovered that I had this lump on my knee I think I've told you about yeah. this story but I think it's a I think it's a good one for the podcast and this is going to be a bit of a tale and I and I'm going to try and link it back into the question (laughs) Um, but I think this is really important to to discuss so I had this lump on my knee and and it had been swelling up for probably six to nine months before that but um, I was just told it was ITB so Mm. IT band syndrome so you get that a lot from running I was playing a lot of um, a lot of football and um they so I was just getting physio on it and it got worse and 
I was trying to move out of this place as well. And um, I had to move into some temporary accommodation because the house I've now bought, what well, I didn't even, I couldn't even buy a house at the time because mm. like in the middle of a pandemic, they just weren't wanting to do mortgages. And I was thinking, do I want to wow. buy a house if I don't know what's going on in yeah. the world? Because at the time we thought this thing was awful. Like, re- I yeah. mean, it's not been great, but, you know, could be could be seriously deadly. You know, the, the media here were, terrible and there were there were signs up everywhere i mean basically what australia is now you know and hopefully it'll tail off in australia a bit um in terms of the severity of what the media and the government are saying yeah um and so anyway i I went i i wanted to get uh i went to see a physio and he said look you need to get a scan on your knee so i um i booked an mri scan thankfully i've got private healthcare. So I've been paying for this bloody policy every month for the last God knows how many years. <laughs> Spent probably thousands and thousands of pounds on it. It's like, right, I'm going to use this thing. So I phoned <laughs> up and they're like, well, we're not, we're not, we're not doing appointments because of COVID. I'm like, brilliant. Oh. Okay. So, um, and, but you can have a, a ver- we had a Zoom, we had a Zoom <laughs> consultation. I was like, great. So I'm going to fill my own knee, am I? Oh, yeah. Okay. This feels a bit oh dodgy. Um, and he was like, oh, that, I don't like the look of that. Um, I'm going to send you for an MRI. So I went for an MRI and I thought, God, it's going to be a meniscus tear or something like that. And it's, I'm going to be out of action for ages. It came back and um, I had a zoom call with this consultant. He says, I think, I think it's um, a PVNS, which is basically a tumor in the knee. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I want you to go and get a biopsy because it might not be. And obviously my mind then starts racing mm. and I'm thinking, what the hell is this thing? Yeah. And I looked this stuff up and I was like, it said it's not cancerous, but if it goes untreated or can mutate, it could be. Yeah. So I was thinking, I know I was just, I was not in a particularly good mental space with everything that was going on anyway. Yeah. And it really affected me. And also we had a policy where you couldn't um, mix with other households as well. So I was yeah. on my own for a lot of it. Um, so the psychological yeah. and collateral damage of these lockdowns and policies have just gone. It, it's just so ill thought out by yeah. by by country leaders. And, you know, I wasn't alone in in how I felt. You know, I was going through this experience. So anyway, so I went for this biopsy, waited for a couple of weeks, for the results to come back. Well, I was genuinely really nervous because like you just think the worst, don't yeah, you? Of course. Yeah, of yeah. And whilst we're kind of talking about things like, you know, positive mindset and you can, you know, oh, you can only control the controllable. It's like, yeah, don't kid yourself. You're, Mm-mm. you know, this, this is horrible. Like yeah. allow yourself to feel yes. that way. You have but to try it. Try. Yeah, exactly. Don't deny it. Um, yeah. So I got it back and they said, it's this PVNS and it's very rare and I need to go and see a consultant. Anyway, cutting a long story short, I went to the consultant and he said, it's, it's basically not life-threatening, but it's limb-threatening. You need to have um, your, your, um, you need to have a full synovectomy and I need to get rid of as much of this as I can. So basically over your kneecap, you have a synovial fluid. So you have a knee lining. So that, that had gone tumorous and you have two types of this tumor it's diffused and non-diffused um so diffused means it's just spread into other parts so i've still got a little bit on the back of my knee that they couldn't operate um so i had this operation done in um september 2015 um last year and in the run-up to that i had um i was like right 
because because he said look you you know it, you'll be able to walk but the chance of you doing sport and doing the exercises you're doing you know and I'm an avid gym go I was like shit like I actually thought well my best days are behind me and I could yeah. be really you know I could be disabled from this thing yeah I can walk but I want to play sports I want to do things and I felt really down about it so I just decided that I wasn't going to let that happen yeah and I went into surgery in the best possible um, um, condition from a cellular perspective, because obviously mm-hmm. something had happened and they don't know what causes this thing. You know, it's very rare. Although as a toddler, I had juvenile arthritis and it was in mm-hmm. that knee. And I think it's probably related to that. And I also think there's some unhealed trauma and there's some things with that as well. And I think it just manifested itself in my body. So I went through the surgery and afterwards the recovery was just absolutely horrible. You know, it was very, very painful. They basically cut my knee from, um, I don't know if you've seen the things on Instagram, but I literally cut from right at the top of the kneecap, right the way down. They open up the knee and take all the horribleness out. Sorry, it's Uh. getting graphic. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I I have no knee lining, but the great, the the body's amazing. It will grow back, um, scar tissue, which acts as, knee lining so yeah so the recovery was really rough like I was it we were in a pandemic it was winter in the UK which is miserable anyway I couldn't I was living in an apartment with stairs and it was really difficult to get around and I was limited on who could come around but in the end I got you know I was allowed care and stuff like that and my parents helped and so on and um, I had some amazing people around me and it took me a couple of months to really start moving again properly and very quickly I started walking and through last winter I set up a little gym in my office and my coach came in three times a week to help me train so we were doing some like I was basically learning how to bend my knee again I was learning how to walk properly again biomechanically and very quickly I got my strength back and uh, I'm as strong as I've ever been and now um I don't have the mobility in my knee but when when you talk about mindset which was the original question it's really important you practice this stuff because I think I think um resilience and having a good mindset is something that you develop over a long period of time and I don't think all of the things that I've done in my past um, if I, sorry, if I hadn't done all the things that I'd done in my past would have brought me to a point where I could really dig deep and work towards something. And, um, yeah, so that's the story. Yeah. And I guess it's like, yeah, it's reflecting and knowing that, you know, your mindset work will help you in all aspects of life. You, you might be working on your mindset for your business, but then it will help you in other aspects as well. Uh, mm. And I mean, like through our journey, we've known the importance of mindset work and mm. and continued mindset work and self-awareness and self-reflection, but then also not too much time in self-reflection because that's when you can kind of sp- sometimes spiral downwards. But yeah, wow. So cool. I mean, this conversation has been so cool. I've loved every minute of it. Uh, I guess like we can, is there any last words, Kevin, any last uh words of wisdom you'd like to share yeah I'll just end with this and and I think the world is going through some things at the minute that are particularly difficult for people mm-hmm. and you need to really understand what's going on at the deepest level you need to be 
as best as you can for your friends and for your, for your family and stick up for what's important. Mm. Things like freedoms, civil liberties, personal agency. And you don't have to go and write on the streets, but you can make a stand. If you don't believe things, if you believe things that are unethical or immoral, then you have every right to put your view forward. And I'm just mm. going to end with that. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us on the podcast. Before we do um, press stop on this record, mm. where should everyone find uh, more information about everything that you do? I know that we'll pop the link for the Crypto Pulse podcast. We haven't talked much about crypto. We've mentioned like NFTs once on this show. Um, obviously, <laughs> we're, ve- we're very excited about it. Um, and I think it will be something that we uh, continue to learn more and more about. So I would highly recommend your podcast podcast if anyone is interested in learning about crypto because you make it really easy to understand uh and it's fascinating i think you know uh if it's something that you think oh it's not for me know that emma and i also thought that and i'm sure kevin you thought that at one stage back back in the day uh <laughs> oh, i actually didn't as soon as i as soon <laughs> as like, my no. eyes set on crypto i was like Oh my God, down the rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland style. How good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, we only just started getting into it in 2021 and learning mm. about it. So, we mm. were very much in the, oh, that's too hard basket. But your podcast covers a range of topics. And I think that it's one to listen to if you're wondering, hmm, what's this all about? So, we'll pop the link to that. But um, where, where should everyone else go? And what's your Instagram handles? What's your Twitter? Yeah, sure. Twitter's probably where I'm most active. So just my name, Kevin Basham. You can just search me, or that's my user handle. My Instagram is the Kevin Basham. Um, so you can find me there, really. If you fancy connecting on LinkedIn, that's fine as well. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I just, yeah, I go through phases of LinkedIn. Sometimes I love it, and other times I'm just like, I'm just getting loads of people adding me that don't even know me from all over the world that add no value to my life. So I've just left that for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting so one. Mm. Uh, well, thank you so much, Cameron, for coming on the show. We um, love this Thank you time. so much for having me. It's been amazing. We love you lots. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.